Hello. I'm really pleased to be speaking to you this morning from the Bible. We are this week in our third week preaching through the New Testament book of First Peter. And this, this, is a, this book is a letter that, as we've seen, is written by the Apostle Peter to Christians, who he refers to in his opening as the elect. Christians are the chosen people of God and they are exiles. They're, they're foreigners in this world. And the, the passage we're going to look at this morning, kind of the second half of chapter one and into chapter two, kind of presents us with, with two different ways to live kind of touches on one and focuses on the other. There, there are other ways to live, but this, this, this passage focuses on two. One way it touches on, and this is probably the most popular way to live uh, in, in the world today, and the passage describes it as living in ignorance or following an empty way of life. And that is what it's referring to, is living really to get the best version of whatever this world has to offer. So it's, it's living to have perfect or as, as, as good as possible friendships and relationships, perhaps a, a family of your own that would be perfect with, with, with a lovely house. It's, it's living in a way to find security in things of this world like money. But, but things like money are actually empty. And it's kind of tragic, people living this way. I think most people know it is an empty way of life, but they choose to ignore the deeper things of life and, and ignore God. I think people know it's empty for multiple reasons, partly because when we, we get to the thing that is supposed to satisfy us, we find it hasn't satisfied. When we get to the thing that one, we used to think, when we get to this much money, then we'll, we'll be fine and happy. And then we get there and we think, oh, maybe not this much, maybe the next amount. Partly, I think it's because you look at people who have attained the pinnacle, who have achieved the thing that pretty much everyone else is going for, the, the most successful people, celebrities, who have all of the stuff, and you see, well, they are not, they're still not fulfilled. In fact, they often look like the least fulfilled people. In the news this week, Adam Peaty, the multiple Olympic gold medalist, is kind of saying how he is, he's honest, like I, I, he's aware more gold medals are not going to sort it out for him. He's got a problem in his life. He doesn't just need more gold medals. I watched the Netflix documentary on Lewis Capaldi this week, who's reached the, the pinnacle. He's saying, actually, I've never been more anxious than when I am successful. It's like people are drunk on the things of this world and they know it's not the answer, it's kind of empty, but well, it's the best we've got, so we're living for it anyway. That's one way to live. Another way that this passage talks about to live is to live in reverent fear of God. And that can sound strange, there's a particular way of doing that. It's not to live in terror of God, where we focus on our sin and say, go away from me, Lord, I'm a sinful man. Peter, the writer, knows about that experience. It is with a focus on God's grace and, and living in such a way in response to the grace of God and, and we're not living for the things of this world, but the things of God 
and as a result living reverently and, and seriously and deliberately. There are two ways to live, to follow an empty way of life or to live in reverent fear of God. I wonder how you are living. Largely, how we are living is determined by what we set our hope on. So are, we setting, are you setting your hope on a future day where, where the things of this world will satisfy you? Where you will have enough money, enough security, enough purpose, enough holidays. That's to follow the empty way of life as the Bible talks. To live in reverent fear of God is to set your focus on the grace of God being brought to you. And maybe that means nothing to say something like that, to set your focus on the assurance of grace. Maybe just what on earth is that all about? I'll explain as we go. But just to say we cannot really live in reverent fear of God without setting our hope on that. Because, and as one commentator on these verses, Ed, Ed Clowney says, because what we are to do, how we are to live, is grounded in what God has done. This passage is talking about that way of living. That's what I'm talking about. Um, and and some of the, we're going to talk about some of the ways that that should express itself in our lives to set our hope on the grace of God. I'm going to read the passage, 1 Peter 1, verse 13, down to 2, chapter 2, verse 3. It says, Therefore, with minds that are alert and fully sober, set your hope on the grace to be brought to you when Jesus Christ is revealed at his coming. As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance, but just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, be holy because I am holy. Since you call on a father who judges each person's work impartially, live out your time as foreigners here in reverent fear. For you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your ancestors, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. He was chosen before the creation of the world, but was revealed to you, was revealed in these last times for your sake. Through him you believe in God, who raised him from the dead and glorified him, and so your faith and hope are in God. Now that you've purified yourselves by obeying the truth, so that you have sincere love for each other, love one another deeply from the heart. For you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and enduring word of God. For all people are like grass, and all their glory is like the flowers of the field, the grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of the Lord endures forever. And this is the word that was preached to you. Therefore, rid yourselves of all malice and all deceit, hypocrisy, envy and slander of every kind. Like newborn babies, crave pure spiritual milk, so that by it you may grow up in your salvation, now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. So I said, what we are to do, as, and this is Christians, again, this letter written to Christians, those who live in reverent fear of God, what we are to do is grounded in what God has done and what God will do. And who we are to be is grounded in who God is. 
Uh, I'm talking about and I'm talking to Christians, those who know the grace of God and know what he has done. So it's not irrelevant what I'm saying. If you are not a Christian, if you're not a believer, this is, this is good news. This is a good way to live. And it is worth hearing in to what God calls Christians to. My title this morning is Be What You Are. Now that unconscious can sound quite worldly, like something you might see on a t-shirt these days. Be what you are. I'm not, I'm not saying be what you want to be. Be true to yourself. I am saying God determines our identity. He determines who we are. Now, as Christians, live in light of that. You are holy, so be holy. Live your life in light of who God has made you. Because Christian, you know, it matters how you live. Any so-called gospel that, that says otherwise is, is not a New Testament gospel that says it doesn't really matter how you live. It does matter. Essentially, I have homework today. Now, I do apologise. I am kind of pretty opposed to classic homework generally. Um, but what I'm saying is that today, I'm talking about taking this and, and living differently in response to, to God's word. Actually, there's kind of homework every week in that sense that the preaching is to speak into our lives and we apply it. But today is straight to the practical application about what we are to do, which is all grounded in what God has done. And here it is. Here's the homework. Be holy. Love one another. Crave the word of the Lord. I'm going to go through this passage and see these things, see what that looks like, how we are to do it and how it is grounded in all that God has done and these, this passage starts with, set your hope on the grace to be brought to you when Jesus Christ is revealed. With minds that are sober, right? So this is not drunk on things. Be very deliberate, intentional. This has got to be your focus. Because how you live is determined by what you're focusing on. And this, you, we will not be able to complete the homework to remotely satisfactory degree, satisfactory degree if we are not doing that, setting your hope on the grace to be brought to you. This is where you get hope. But first, be holy. Be holy. Verse 14 says, as obedient children, right? So it doesn't, it's not become that. Be obedient children, as obedient children. You, you are that. Literally, it's, it's children of, of obedience. Our parents are, it, it is obedience. As obedient children, that is what you are if you're a Christian. Do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance, when you followed the empty way of life. Don't conform, right? This is this exiles thing. Don't just fit in to what you used to be and to those who, who still follow this empty way of life but be holy like the God who called you is holy what we are to do is grounded in what God has done and who God is what do we mean when we call God holy it's a very kind of churchy religiousy word holy means sanctified which means set apart it's the same word in the bible you see sanctified it means kind of holyfied set 
which means set apart. Talked about taking out a puppy and setting it apart from a litter um, in the first week. God is holy. Not because, when we say God is holy, it's not because he is really, just because he's really good, but because he is a different level of good. Holy means on a, on a totally different scale. He is majestic in a totally unique way. He is righteous on a different scale. He is pure on a different scale. He is unlike anything else. And in the Old Testament particularly, objects or, or areas could be holy, sanctified. So you'd have a most holy place in, or, the, or the holy of holies, the set apart within the set apart. The Old Testament tithe, when you give 10%, that was described as holy because it was set apart and it was totally and exclusively God's. So for the people of God, God has already made us holy. He has already sanctified us, set us apart as different. So be holy because God is holy. Be holy because you are holy. It means live differently to how you used to live and to how those who live in ignorance live. And here's, here's the real kicker. Verse 15, just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in what? In all you do. Sanctified things are set aside for the Lord. You are now sanctified. Everything you are and have is to be set aside for God. So it's not like, well, this bit's God, everything. That is different to how the world sees things. It's not just Sundays. It's, it's, it's not just term times. It is every day. It is all your relationships, all your friendships, your family, your, all your security, all your rest. Is, is sanctified. So we think of money now for, for the New Testament believer. It's not, it's not a tithe that is sanctified. All of it is sanctified. Now the tithe, 10% is a great place to get to, to give regularly, sacrificially, and then to build from. Be holy, give. You're a Christian, give sacrificially and regularly. You are holy. You are God's act like it. Be what you are. For some of you, it's, it's actually simple to be holy. It means stop sinning. That there is something in your life. I'm not going to kind of list a bunch of things it could be. The, the word of God, just, just be holy because I am holy, says God. You are holy, so act like it. Stop sinning. You, you know what it is. Don't believe the lie of the enemy that says it doesn't really matter. Oh, whatever, you're saved. No, be holy, because I am holy, says God. It's not just a rant, right? And it's not in order or, or how to become a Christian, but because you are a Christian. What you do is grounded in what God has done. And here's what it's grounded on. Verses 18 to 21. This is really the foundation of all of this passage let me reread verse 18 to 21. For you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your ancestors, 
but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. He was chosen before the creation of the world, but was revealed in these last times for your sake. Through him, you believe in God who raised him from the dead and glorified him. And so your faith and hope are in God. Imagine someone who has got themselves into trouble with alcohol, maybe drugs, maybe gambling, just got themselves, they've lost everything. And uh, an older couple, right? This is a couple who has some contact with this person somehow, who have kind of worked hard, faithfully their whole lives, maybe just kind of paid off their mortgage, having spent decades doing that or whatever. And, uh, and they offer to take this, this person in who's lost everything. So come and live in, with us. And, and then they go away for a weekend or something and come back to, to a totally trashed house. And you know, maybe there's some things missing. The telly's gone. Maybe some, maybe some jewellery has, has gone. This person that they've taken in has trashed everything, has stolen from them. They pay to clear up the house, to sort things out, replace everything. And they don't report him to the police, this person. They don't even kick, kick them out. But actually, they move out and give this person the key to the house and say, John, you have the house. We've cleaned it. We've sorted it all out. You have it. <laughs> Imagine something like that. Why, why should Christians be holy? and give themselves for God, but because he has given everything. He has given himself for you. Even though you don't deserve anything, you don't deserve anything and he has given you everything. It's a bit like that story. What Jesus has done is a bit like that kind of picture I've just painted. But what God has done is much more costly. I love, I love how disdainful Peter is and just kind of totally unimpressed he is by money. Repeatedly, actually, in this letter. I mean, he says it, it wasn't with perishable things such as silver and gold, things that most people think, well, actually, I'll take a bit of that. That's quite valuable. It wasn't with, like, really useless, invaluable, un unvaluable things like silver and gold. It was with the precious blood of Jesus Christ that you were redeemed from the empty way of life. What a gospel. What a saviour he is. You, Christian, are gods and you were costly. How can you not want to live in right relationship with him? The, the house wrecker, right? They should never forget what has done for them. Like, oh, I'll, I'll take the keys and then, you know, never talk to those people again and, and kind of move on from it. No, Christians are those who always remember what God has done in the gospel. And that is the, the grounding for everything that we do. We never move on from how Jesus, the precious blood of Jesus Christ has redeemed us from an empty way of life. Why be holy? in everything that you do, because he has given himself to redeem you. And now you have hope. You are God's. You are the redeemed. Act like it. If you're not a believer, God has done that for you. you you're just called to put your faith in him. Put your hope in him. That's, 
So it's not be holy to become a Christian. We're saved by our faith in what God has done for us. Do put your faith in him and then be holy as someone whom God has made holy. Second, homework, love each other. Verse 22, now that you have purified yourselves by obeying the truth so that you have sincere love for each other, love one another deeply from the heart. Do you see it again there? You are purified. Now that you have purified yourself, you've been purified, you, you have love one another for, for one another, so love one another. And uh, we certainly should as Christians love everyone, but the emphasis here is on one another as fellow Christians. Why is that? I think it's because we are in this together. We are fellow exiles. It says, next verse, for you have been born again. You are those who are born again. I don't know if you've been to kind of like a networking event or something in work and maybe a work training event and you kind of meet people and, and you begin to talk and you realize, oh, you really You've got the same job. You really get my situation. Or you've maybe been through a real serious illness or have chronic disease of some kind and you meet someone with the same ailment and you just can connect. Oh, you so get what it's like and you can get each other. And they get you in a way that even some of your closest friends don't understand. That's what it's like to be fellow Christians. We get each other. We are diverse, yes, but we are united in Jesus and we can support each other in our unique struggles. This world is is immensely individualistic. It's live for you. If that's what you want, then go for it and express it. The church has got to be different to that. We should love one another sincerely, deeply and from the heart. That's a real love that we choose to display. One way to think of it, is to shift from thinking about what we get out of it in, into what we give into it. I, I hear it a lot. Well, I'm just not getting much out of that. Just not getting much out of this. And oh, I'm, not, I'm not getting much out of the worship at the moment at church. I'm just not finding I get much out of it. I don't get much out of the prayer meetings, really. I don't get much out of my giving. I don't, I'm not getting much from life group. I would come to this multi-site party thing. I just don't think I'll get much out of it. Commission festival, I'm just not sure I'll get much out of it. What about what you are putting in? Some people might need to hear your singing. Not about what you get out of it. They might, what can you put in? Some people might need to hear your prayers. Some, there might be people who need you at Life Group to come and bring support, whatever it is. I'm not saying that what you get out of it is irrelevant, right? Or that you shouldn't, we shouldn't be talking like that in any way. I'm saying it is just, it's not the only thing. It is not the only thing. I like how um, Karen Jobes in her commentary talks about these verses. She says, the love that Peter has in view is neither a warm, fuzzy feeling nor friendships around a coffee pot after worship. Though love as Peter defines it may involve both. Rather, it refers to righteous relationships with each other that are based on God's character, which Christian behaviour reflects. It's pointing people to Jesus, helping one another to set our hope on God's grace and not be seduced by an empty way of life. 
we get this explanation as well in, in verse 1 of chapter 2, which is referring to one another. Rid yourselves of all malice and all deceit, hypocrisy, envy and slander of every kind. I think we know that we kind of shouldn't have that. Envy stands out, doesn't it? Not, not easy in this world to, to not be envious, but comparison is a real killer. We can often think of it as a struggle, and it is, but it is also a sin. Stop, stop desiring what other people have. Social media obviously makes it a whole lot worse because you end up desiring something that doesn't actually exist. We envy something, but doesn't, it's not really reality. Don't compare. Your life is different. We're all incomparable, really. Love each other. As loved children of God who know God's grace, love each other deeply from the heart and crave the word of the Lord. Verse 23, for you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and enduring word of God. All people are like grass. All their glory is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of the Lord endures forever. And then 2 verse 2, like newborn babies crave spiritual milk so that by it you may grow up in your salvation. You have been born again through the living and enduring word of God. That's what it's talking about we should crave. The thing that stands, the thing that is imperishable. That's why you should love one another. What, is, what does Peter mean by the word of the Lord? Essentially, it's the gospel. It, it is the story of salvation, what God has done for you. Now, that certainly includes the Bible. And the Bible is the purest place that you will find it. At the coronation, if you watched it, Archbishop of Canterbury, Justin Welby, gave King Charles a Bible and said, we present you with this book, the most valuable thing that this world affords. It is through this that we find life. You know, we will die and we will be forgotten sooner than we think. And so will King Charles. The word of the Lord endures forever. Crave the word of the Lord like newborn babies crave spiritual milk. We can often read the Bible in such a lovely, like newborn babies crave pure spiritual milk. Oh, that's lovely. I don't know if you've ever seen a newborn baby. They don't, they don't say, oh, mummy, you know, when you're ready, please can I have some milk? As soon as you're ready, you know, take your time, whatever. No, like, what's a newborn baby when they're hungry? They, they scream their head off. They're desperate. And it's not like, when you're ready, it's, no, I need the, I need the milk. They're, they're, they're desperate. They crave it. This is saying, like newborn babies crave milk, crave the word of the Lord. It is so precious. It is so good. So be different to the world. The world wakes up and craves the phone, right? A smartphone craves telly, craves the freedom to define right and wrong. None of that is living and enduring. The word of God is living and enduring. We're holy, we're different. Crave the word of the Lord. It won't happen overnight that, that you suddenly are there in a place of desperation to have more of God. But the more you embrace the word of the Lord, the more you will love it and crave it. Read it every day. Read it most days, at least. Think about it. Think about the gospel. Think about the Bible. Study the Bible. Believe the Bible. 
Submit to it. Submit your life to it. Get yourself into situations where you are hearing the word of God preached. Why, Why do you do that? So that by it you may grow up in your salvation. If you don't, you, you won't grow up. You, you will be saved, but you will stay immature. You, you won't grow up in the word of the Lord. Don't, don't just always take my word for it, right? Check it out. Wrestle with the word, including the bits that you don't like. Read it. And then the passage finishes. Now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. You are holy. You know how good God is if you are a Christian. Be holy. Love each other. Crave the word. Get even more of a taste of how God, good God is. What we do is all grounded in what God has done. The question we started with really, how do you want to live? Do you want to follow kind of an empty way of life? Focus on yourself and what you can achieve. That's what you need to do if you want to do that. Focus on that and and set your hope on whatever you can achieve. If you want to live in reverent fear, focus on God. Focus on what he has done and what he will do. That's how we can live holy lives. So if you're an unbeliever, my encouragement, come and put your trust in what God has done and find hope. Believe in my encouragement, you are holy, be what you are. I'm actually going to read, to finish, the whole passage again. Let let the word of the Lord speak into your heart. Think about what I've been saying as we we read through these verses again, just to, to finish. Therefore, with minds that are alert and fully sober, set your hope on the grace to be brought to you when Jesus Christ is revealed at his coming. As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, be holy because I am holy. Since you call on a father who judges each person's work impartially, live out your time as foreigners here in reverent fear. For you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your ancestors, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. He was chosen before the creation of the world, but was revealed in these last times for your sake. Through him you believe in God who raised him from the dead and glorified him, and so your faith and hope are in God. Now that you've purified yourselves by obeying the truth so that you have sincere love for each other, love one another deeply from the heart. For you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and enduring word of God. For all people are like grass, and all their glory is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of the Lord endures forever. And this is the word that was preached to you. Therefore, rid yourselves of all malice and all deceit, hypocrisy, envy and slander of every kind. Like newborn babies, crave pure spiritual milk so that by it you may grow up in your salvation. Now that you have tasted that the Lord is good.